Well, today, if you have your Bible, I'd ask you to turn with me to Ephesians 4, as we begin in verse 32. The title of the message today is, What Every Child Needs from His Parents. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. I pray that God will use this sermon today to help every parent to understand what the child needs from you as a parent, as a grandparent, as a great-grandparent. You still have a ministry to those along the line. Some of the greatest ministries in our country are being performed by grandparents with their grandchildren, great-grandparents with their great-grandchildren. That's happening all about us, and I know it's happening in some of your families because I've heard some of the stories that you tell. Cindy and I love each other very much. We're committed to staying together, and the Lord if he permits, growing old together. And one of the main things that we want to do is to be a, a good example to the kids of our world. I know so many of you are doing that with your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. You're being a role model. You know, if we don't do that, nobody's going to do it. It's up to you. You know, we're the ones that are carrying the light. Uh, we're the ones that uh, need to bring and bear the good news to our generation. Well, what does every child need from his parents, his grandparents, and his great-grandparents? Every child needs love and acceptance. That's number one. Love and acceptance are about the most important things that a child can receive, that we can give. All of us need a place where we are accepted, warts and all. All of us, every one of us, realize that we are not perfect. So consequently, we all have those moments in life when we as well need to be forgiven. That place for your child where he knows that he is loved, he is cared for, he is forgiven, is your home. That's the place where they find that thing that they need so very much in their life. That place should be your home. And the people who should be willing to offer their love and acceptance are the parents and the grandparents and the great-grandparents. This is not always the case, and that's why we have young people today that are joining gangs. They can't find any forgiveness at home, so they go out and, and join some wild group that's doing terrible things. Or they get in some peer group uh, that we certainly wouldn't approve of that's leading them down the wrong path. What do I mean by love and acceptance? I mean unconditional love. By unconditional love, I mean that you know all there is to know about a person. 
You know all of their good points, all of their bad points, and you still love them and show your love toward them with all of your heart. In a verse in our text today, Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be kind and compassionate one to another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love as Christ has loved us. There's not a single person here today of any age that does not need kindness and compassion and forgiveness. We all need that, every one of us. And if you think about it, think how much more a child needs that than we do. They're at that point in life where they're making major decisions. They're identifying with certain ideas and philosophies and ideologies. And we've got to help them to make the right choices. Our example of unconditional love is Jesus himself. He has demonstrated the kind of love that we should give each other. This love is the same love we have experienced in Christ. We are to be imitators of that kind of love. Probably the most difficult place to love unconditionally is in the home. And you say, well, now, why in the world is that? That It ought to be the best there. Well, in the home, we have the most interaction with each other. We learn about each other's failures, each other's weak points, uh, each other's Uh, missteps along life's way. And the more we interact, the more we who are not perfect need to be forgiven. Think about it. We would never act in public. We would never act at home uh, like we do in public. When we're out in public, we put on our best face. We behave in the very best way that we can. We strive and uh, give a good example. But when we're out of the public eye, it's easy for us to take a wrong step here and a wrong step there. It's easy to love from a distance. But when you really get to know somebody, and some of the things that they do begin to wear on you and to irritate you, it's hard to love them uh, unconditionally. The ability to love unconditionally comes from our Lord. And as he has loved us that way, we want to love our children in that way. There are three ways your children need to be loved. Your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren need affection, they need attention, and they need affirmation. They need those three in a big, big way in your family. Our society has done our families a disservice when it has made us all paranoid to touch our children. Listen, fathers, don't back away from your daughters when they become teenagers. They need your love more then than they ever have before. Yes, sometimes kids think it's not very cool for their daddy to come up and hug them and kiss them. But I want you to continue to give hugs and kisses 
because that is exactly what they need at those turning points in life. They need your love and your forgiveness. Your children also need attention. I have heard for far too long this debate about time and quality time. I have heard uh, some fathers say to me, you know, I don't have a lot of time to give each of my children, but uh, what I do is I give them some quality time. Well, what in the world is that? <laughs> they need some time. And they need to get that time from you as you break away from your calendar every once in a while, as you break away from your appointments every once in a while, as you break away from some of your hobbies every once in a while. They need your time. And as they receive it, they are blessed and they learn the witness of your heart that can be shared with them. You also need to give your children affirmation. By affirmation, I mean positive reinforcement. You need to tell them, that a boy, way to go, way to go, that a boy, or go girl, go girl, great job, go girl. We need to give some affirmation. We can do more to build positive self-esteem in our children by praising them than we can by correcting them. And if you improve their self-esteem by positive reinforcement, you will be amazed at how much their behavior will become better. Show your children unconditional love by giving them affection, attention, and affirmation. Secondly, this morning, your child needs equipping, not excusing. Study after study shows the number one contributor to children growing up to be successful adults is clear guidelines. Clear guidelines as they are growing up. Children who grow up knowing right from wrong have a much better chance making it in our society today. It's a tough world out there. And if they go into that world defenseless, without some morals, without some understandings of how things ought to be, uh, they don't stand a chance, not a chance. Deuteronomy 6.6 6 says, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart. Impress them on your children. Our number one problem in the home is that we have turned our teaching of our children over to surrogates. We don't teach them the basics of life any longer. You say, well, now, what are the basics of life? The basics of life are the commandments of God. That's what they really need to know, the commandments of God. We go out of our way to make sure our kids go to the right school. We make sure that they get the best in reading, writing, in arithmetic. Well, really, I, I need to change that. Reading, typing, and arithmetic. <laughs> They're not teaching cursive anymore. We make sure they get the best coaches uh, in their sport. I know some parents that hire a coach 
to give specific training to their child in, in some area of the sports world. Well, uh, we make sure that they get those good coaches. We make sure that they learn all about etiquette. We don't want them to be embarrassed when they go out somewhere. We don't want them to be embarrassed when they say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, don't know the appropriate step to take. But when it comes to understanding the ways of God, we many times just kind of let that slide. Listen, they're not going to pick it up on their own. They can't, uh, they can't learn it by themselves. It uh, has to come from the parent, the grandparent, the great-grandparent. Look again at what Deuteronomy 6.6 6 says. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. You cannot give what you do not have. If you do not have a personal faith, then obviously you can't pass it on to your children. No, you cannot believe for your children. But you can impress upon them how important your faith is to you and how it has molded and channeled your life in the right direction. God has given us the guidelines for living in this world. It is the time that we started teaching them to our children. We've got to do that. We've got to teach our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, how to stand for our loving Lord. Thirdly this morning, your child needs to have trust and respect. They need to know about those two things. They need to grow in those two things. They need to develop in those two things. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Listen to me. Trust is not automatic. It's not. Trust is the one ingredient which must be in every healthy relationship. Everyone in life. Trust in a relationship is something which occurs over a period of time. Pastor, how do I learn to trust my child? Well, you develop a trust in your children by giving them responsibility. Responsibilities around the house, responsibilities in the family. This trust with responsibilities begins early in life. Listen to Paul's word found in 1 Corinthians 4.2. It is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I know exactly what some of you are thinking. You're asking yourself, what do I do when that trust is broken? What do I do when my child breaks out of the trust that we have established? Well, the first thing that you do is you forgive them of where they have taken a wrong step. And you start over. You build that trust. You build it and build it and build it by giving new responsibilities around the house, in their life. There's not a single one of us in life that has not made some mistakes along the way. 
God has shown us what we should do in response to a mistake being made. He has forgiven us. He has told us that we should forgive just as we have been forgiven. Along with trust comes respect. Just as trust is there, is needed, we have to have, respect must be earned. It is true that the Bible teaches that your child is to respect you as a parent. But it is also true that you are to live your life in a godly way so that you are worthy of the respect of your child. God has given life to your child. And a part of God's creation, you should respect your child and recognize God's potential. In that child's life. Number four, your child needs to be encouraged. I believe life is tougher on children today than it has ever been in our history. You know, when we were growing up, I'm 73, I don't know how old you are. Uh, When we were growing up, you didn't lock your doors, you welcomed your neighbors. People could uh, come and go, and everything was all right. You didn't worry about it. You can send your kids downtown, and uh, you didn't think that they might be mugged or murdered or kidnapped or something. Well, this is a different day, a totally different day. If we were to take a a survey today, I doubt if many of you would want to be a kid again. Our world is tough on a child's self-esteem. A study conducted in the state of California discovered that 85% of the third graders had a very good self-esteem. By the time they were in middle school, the figure dropped to 65% had very good self-esteem. When they were tested in high school, only 5% of the graduating seniors registered real high self-esteem. If I understand that survey correctly, the older our children get, the worse they feel about themselves. What can we do about that? How do we turn that around? How do we change that? It makes sense to me that we should spend our time encouraging our children and not discouraging them. Let me ask you a a very personal question. Are you hard to please as a parent, as a grandparent, as a great-grandparent? It is easy to get into the habit of seeing the negative in our children and overlooking the positive. Let me suggest to you to find one thing every day that you can brag about related to your child so that they, he or she, gets a positive word every day from you. One a day. I know it will be hard in some case, but if you do, it will pay off. 1 Corinthians 13.7 says, If you love someone, 
you will always believe in them and always expect the best of them. If you expect your child to do the best by encouraging him, I believe you will find a child that is trying to do their best. Our children need cheerleaders. They need some cheerleaders. I think what we need to do is sit down sometimes and write down the things that we can affirm about those kids that are coming up in our family line. Maybe jot them a note. Maybe call them long distance. Maybe drive to wherever they are and encourage them and build them up. Number five, your child needs inspiration. Uh, Who does your child look up to? Who are their idols? One of the things that I just hate Every year I go to the Strawberry Festival in Plant City. And they have on the front row are these girls that are in the Queen's Court. And they sit there and we have, uh, I think it's ten nights in a row, we bring in uh, singers from all over. One of the singers is a Christian singer. You know, some real, real popular Christian singer. Uh, Some of the others are country singers, and some of them, I'm sure, are Christians. But every year, there's two or three stinkers that come in there. (laughs) And I've noticed that the girls sitting on the front row know every word to every song that those stinkers are singing. And they sing along with them. That just irritates me. You know, if we ask them to get up and say John 3.16, they'd say, what? What? Reports out of Littleton, Colorado, when the Columbine High School massacre took place by the young men who attacked and murdered their schoolmates, they were disciples of Marilyn Manson. I don't know if you know it or not, but Marilyn Manson is an acid rock a star who advocates violence as an answer for young people who are frustrated. If you get frustrated, just go out and tear up something. Beat somebody up. Uh, Do this, do that. All the wrong information. Marilyn Manson was the idol of tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people across this country. I don't know about you, but I don't want any children that are related to our church looking up to somebody like Marilyn Manson. The killer in Orlando is not a hero. You know, there are some people around the world that are saying, that guy did a wonderful job. Just did a wonderful job. He was laughing is he murdered those people. Now you talk about sick. That is as sick as it possibly gets. Don't be alarmed if your children do not pick you as their hero. 
But I would suggest that you have good examples in their lives who can be their heroes. You want to take them around some people who are outstanding, who are godly, who are honest, who are truthful, those kind of people. You want to expose them to that type of a person. If you don't, they will find somebody else to fill that void in their lives. And that person might not be somebody that you would be proud of. I have mentioned to you a number of times that I didn't have a close relationship to my father. While I was growing up, he was working. He was doing this. He was doing that. Uh, we didn't spend uh, hardly any time together. He was not my inspiration. Fortunately, I did have some men in my life who served as an inspiration to me to be all that God wanted me to be. It was a man named Rock Blankenship who was the youth minister at our church. He was the head of the softball team at the church. As I played on the team, he led me to Jesus. He was a great man, a godly man. He loved me. I felt that. Our minister of music's name was Clint Nichols. He took a lot of time for me and loved me and helped me. And when the kids would come down to the front of the church on various occasions and the pastor would ask for their parents to come and stand behind them, of course my parents weren't there, either the youth minister or the music minister would come and stand behind me. That meant everything to me. These men kept me close to the church. They kept me singing in the youth choir. They kept me playing softball on the church team. They kept me going on mission trips. They inspired me to see God's will for my life and to dedicate myself to that purpose. Charles Barkley, the pro basketball player, got so tired of everybody saying to him, quit cussing when you're on TV. Quit saying all those terrible things and doing all those terrible things because millions of kids across this country look up to you as a great athletic star. Well, he heard that for a number of years. And uh, finally, he got up in a press conference of all places and said, Listen, I don't want to be anybody's example. That's not what I'm about. Don't copy my life. You do your own thing. I'm doing my own thing. Don't uh, hold me out as an idol for some kids because that's not what I want to be. Kids need to see in their parents the kind of role model that helps them grow in their faith and seek the best of what God wants them to be and to do. God help you. To be that kind of a father, a grandfather, a great-grandfather. little boy and his family moved often, three or four times a year. It's tough when you're in three or four different classrooms in one year's time. One day when he was sitting at home in a melancholy mood, the boy asked his dad, Daddy, who do you want to be? Do you want to be Superman or Batman? And the 
And the father said, son, I'm busy. Can't you see? I'm over here at the desk. I'm working on stuff. I'm busy. And the son said, dad, dad, come on. Who do you want to be? Superman or Batman? The dad finally said, well, okay, Superman. I want to be Superman. Why, dad? Why do you want to be Superman? Well, I don't know, he said. I don't know, son. I guess because he can fly. He can fly. Yeah, that's it. He can fly. I'd like to be Superman because he can fly. And then his dad turned back around and got back to his work. The little boy continued. Dad, are you going to ask me who I want to be? The dad rolled his eyes and complied. Okay, son, who do you want to be, Superman or Batman? I want to be Batman, the boy said. The father said, good, son, that's good. And he turned back around to his desk. The son continued, dad, aren't you going to ask me why? Okay, the father sighed. Why do you want to be Batman? And the boy said, I want to be Batman because Batman had a friend. His dad stopped and turned around and saw some tears in his son's eyes. He said, son, do you need a friend? And the boy said, yeah, I need a friend more than I need Superman. Every child needs for their parent to be their friend. Well, today, uh, we want to give an invitation. We want to give an invitation that if there are any folks in the house today that have never trusted and believed in Christ as their Lord and Savior, that today would be the day, on Father's Day. Maybe your son, your daughter, has wanted you to trust in Jesus for years and years, and you never have. Maybe today would be the day. Perhaps there are some in the house today that, that need a church home. The doors of our church are open. We'd love to have you come and join with us and serve with us. As we try and be representative of the gospel as we know it in the marketplace of life today. If the Father would lead you, I'm going to be standing down here at the front. If you'll just take a stand for Christ. Walk down to the front. Tell me what decision for Christ you're making. And I'll announce it to the people. And there'll be great rejoicing in the house. Let's stand together as we sing.